Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into my top 10 October-born actors in today's episode. We reap the wind and the sky when the sun is high. We sail the length of the seas on the ocean breeze. At night we name every star. We know where we are. We know who we are, who we are. There are... A lot of new names in the top 10 uh, October actors uh, list. But looking, looking at last year, uh, 2017's list, from 10 to, nine, 10 to 1, we had Jeremy Davies, Rudy Bond, Buster Keaton, Michael Gambone, Melora Walters, Joaquin Phoenix, Brie Larson, Sigourney Weaver, Matt Damon, and Viggo Mortensen at the top of that list. And four of those names are still here in 2019. Six of them are gone. Six of them have dropped off. And uh, it's... For some of them, it's not even close. Uh, some of them are outside the top 20. Some of them even further beyond. Uh, it, it's It's been a very uh, turbulent time, uh, apparently, for a lot of these October-born actors. So a lot of new people. Most of them are recognizable names. Not all of them, unfortunately. And one of them doesn't even have a picture on Letterboxd. Uh, so that gives you an idea. But it, it should be, I don't know, there, there's some good names in here. And, and hopefully it'll spark some interest and, and excite people to go see some more movies. Okay, uh, let's let's just jump in, I suppose, uh, to the top 10 actors, uh, statistically speaking, born in October. Countdown Starting with numero 10 is a an actor born in New Zealand, October 20th, 1971. She has six film credits to her name that I've seen, an average film rating of 79.67, no Oscar nominations, a value of 6.5, and a score of 66.25 to be ranked 144th overall. Uh, and this is Rachel House. You may or may not be familiar with Rachel House. Uh, she works very much with Taika Waititi. You can see her in his films Hunt for the Wilder People, Boy, and Thor Ragnarok, and Eagle vs. Shark. And then outside of those, the ones that I've seen, uh, she is the voice of the grandmother in Moana, and she has a role in Whale Rider. So... Small career. Uh, she. Uh, this is half of the movies that she's been in, according to Letterboxd, that have been released. And uh, for the most part, the only one I didn't like of those six is Eagle vs. Shark. And I, I don't think Eagle vs. Shark is awful. I just I wasn't a big fan of it. Uh, but the rest are all good to great to amazing movies, uh, in my opinion. And while she's never you know, the main part of them, she has had significant roles in most of them you know she is the you know fourth build actor in hunt for the wilder people uh, she plays uh, paula who is I believe the like main cop hunting down uh, julian dennison ricky baker she is again the grandma moana who is a pivotal role in that movie she plays the second the number two the right hand person to uh Jeff Goldblum's Grandmaster in Thor Ragnarok, and 
uh, in Boy, she's a much smaller role uh, as I think his aunt or, or somebody's aunt. But, you know, she is a presence in, in these Taika Waititi movies and in these, um, you know, uh, New Zealand adjacent and New Zealand made films. And it, it I don't know, it, it just kind of goes to show, you know, even though, even though all of these movies uh, are in English, even though they're all... Uh, most of them are known, you know, in the States, you know, whether they were huge hits like Ragnarok Moana uh, or just, you know, very recognizable and important and uh, quality films like Hunt for the Wilder People and Boy and Whale Rider. Uh, you know, she has been a part of these movies and I think it's, you know, goes to show that she's choosing well. Uh, some of the films of hers I haven't seen, The Dark Horse from 2014 starring Cliff Curtis uh, has been on my watch list uh, for probably since 2014, and I have not gotten to it. Uh, Perfect Creature, White Lies, Bellbird, Fracture, and Cradle are the other six films of hers that I have not seen, uh, and that aren't, and that are have been released. The other film on Letterboxd that uh, has not been released yet, it's currently labeled as 2020, is Next Goal Wins. Uh, starring Michael Fassbender, Elizabeth Moss, uh, among others, including Rachel House, uh, which is the, I believe it's based on a true story. I think I've seen the, maybe not. I don't know. It's directed by Waititi uh, and follows Fassbender as a coach of a soccer team in American Samoa that uh, are just big perennial losers and wants to help them turn into winners and that's that's it it's a it's a feel-good soccer story uh football story so not a ton of movies to watch with Rachel house in them uh, that i haven't already seen but there are some and uh hopefully by the next time i do this li- this list i will have seen at least one of them if not two because I gotta see at least one you know or what is the point of doing these lists? So number 10, Rachel House, uh, number 144 overall. Number nine is an actor born in California, October 24th, 1930. Uh, still alive. 48 film credits to his name that I've seen. An average film rating of 58.71. No Oscar nominations. A value of 10.5. A score of 66.86 to be ranked 126th overall and that is mr jack angel you may not recognize jack angel's name but he is a voice actor vocal performer uh and looking at his credits the only one that i've seen that i don't have labeled as um just a voice is his performance as himself in the film i know that voice uh, a documentary about voice actors that you may not recognize or know the names of, but can recognize their voices. So Jack Angel has been in a ton of stuff uh, from a handful of Pixar films, Disney films, and and even vocal performances out in live action movies like Beetlejuice or Artificial Intelligence, uh, you know, Noah. Um, Continuing on here. Uh, But he's, you know, he's, he's been in a lot uh, you know, you've got the the Toy Story trilogy. Uh, I don't think he was in number four, 
where he was the voice of, if I can find it here, the shark slash Rocky Gibraltar in Toy Story 1, uh, followed by, I don't know if he was the same thing, just credited as voice in Toy Story 2, and Chunk in Toy Story 3. Monsters, Inc., University, The Iron Giant, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Finding Nemo, A Bug's Life, Little Mermaid, Lilo and Stitch, Hercules, Roger Rabbit, Tarzan, Despicable Me 2, Prince of Egypt, and Treasure Planet, Ice Age 2, Jimmy Neutron, The Rescuers Down Under, All Dogs Go to Heaven, Balto, Transformers the movie, uh, Fievel Goes West, Quest for Camelot, DuckTales the movie, Rockadoodle, The Chipmunk Adventure, The Trumpet of the Swan, uh, a handful of short films, um, you know, it just, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of different things, and he's, he's a great voice actor, and, and it's a shame, you know, all these voice actors that are on my list that, you know, always crop up in these, uh, lists, they end up with such small roles, and I, I, I imagine most of them get the bulk of their, you know, work in TV series, and cartoon animated shows, and some of those stem from, you know, small roles that they had in the movies that were then turned into TV shows and vice versa. But I don't know. I just, I always wonder, you know, when you look back at some of the animated films from, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago, and how the whole cast of them were voice performers. They weren't, you know, you won't, you wouldn't get a Tom Hanks and, uh, you know, as, as, Woody anymore. You wouldn't get Tim Allen as Buzz, you know, 80 years ago or however long. And you would get somebody like a Jack Angel, someone who did work in voice primarily and almost exclusively. And so I I, I always wonder what that would look like now. And my spreadsheet would obviously like to see all the famous people continuing to do voice performances. But from from a very, very much a, a thought experiment, I would love to see an animated film only utilize some of these, you know, exclusively voice performing actors in their cast and, and really what that would look like and, and how that would impact, um, I guess, box office receipts, how that would impact quality and um, the sort of, I feel like you get so much more flexibility from these people who have spent their lives, you know, flexing their voice and, and molding it into what it has become and so I think there's a lot of interesting uh, I think that I think there's a lot of a lot of potential to that now you know the, the, you when you think about the times when animated films were primarily vocal performers only uh, that's back when you know those vocal forms were probably were coming from you know like radio uh, they weren't there weren't so many animated movies. There was like one, maybe two or three a year, and now we've get we get dozens and dozens and dozens, hundred movies a year that require voice performances. And so these the people now are far more well trained, uh, far more uh, finely tuned to to what is being asked of them and what the, these types of roles require. And I would love to see them kind of let loose in that way. So Jack Angel, uh, some of the films of his I haven't seen. Uh, yet, A Troll in Central Park, uh, The Brave Little Toaster, G.I. Joe the Movie, Mom and Dad Save the World, 
Funny Lady, Making Contact, uh, among others. Hands, still a handful of films. I think uh, 14 credits on Letterboxd that I haven't seen. I'm sure there are others if I check IMDb. But, yeah. Jack Angel, number nine. Born in October, number 126th overall. Moving on to number eight. Born in Nebraska, October 17th, 1920. Passing away July 23rd, 1966 at the age of 45, unfortunately. With nine film credits that I've seen, an average film rating of 72.56. Three Oscar nominations, no wins uh, that I've seen. A value of eight, a score of 67.36 to be ranked 120th overall is Montgomery Clift. Montgomery Clift is, you know, uh, you know, some uh, a very very talented actor who, unfortunately, like so many others, uh, has met met his uh, ultimate demise well early, well before he should have. Um, uh, he did. Re- he received four Oscar nominations. Uh, I've only seen three of those performances, and. They're all, he's he's great. I, I can't think of a single movie where I, I wasn't impressed by what he was bringing to the table. He's got a nomination for Judgment at Nuremberg that I've seen from Here to Eternity and A Place in the Sun. Uh, and I think the other one is, oh boy, Wild River? Question mark? No. Just, uh, just took a stab. Just took a stab. Uh, it's The Search. The Search is the other film uh, starring Montgomery Clift, Ivan Yandel, Aline McMahon, and Wendell Corey, among others. Uh, but, yeah, like, Red River, From Here to Eternity, Judgment at Nuremberg, A Place in the Sun, The Heiress, The Misfits, I Confess, uh, Suddenly Last Summer, and The Love Goddesses, which is, I believe, just a documentary that he's happens to be in. It is. Uh... He's he's just he was a very emotional performer. He he happened to to have this this. I don't know he, you you look at his picture on Letterboxd and it's this very expressionless face, uh, these wide eyes, these big blue eyes, blue, kind of a bluish green, uh, teal. And he's got this sort of classic look to him. You know, he could be a young, you know, Paul Newman or, or you know, he, he fits that same mold as James Dean. And and then you see him in these movies and he just he just lights up everything he's everything he's a part of. You know, he's able to go from the. Uh, you know, I look at A Place in the Sun where, you know, his role in that movie is one of this sort of ambitious man where he's trying to ascend a social ladder. And he, it's coming from a perspective of he knows that he's kind of snaking his way into these these people's lives and, and that sort of thing. And at the same time, he's being dragged back down by a previous, a past relationship that has not come to its ultimate has not you know had any finality to it and so there's a lot of emotional variety that he's able to play with in a place in the sun but then you look over it at 
Hitchcock's I Confess, where Clift plays uh, this Catholic priest who is filled with uh, anguish, filled with conflict over the information that he's aware of and, and whether or not to share that with anyone and, and the way that it, that's going to impact not only his own life, but the lives of everyone around him. And it, it's, I, I, I'm as much of a, I'm not a huge fan of I Confess on the whole, but I think when you look at strictly Cliff's performance in that film, it is so reserved and so withheld that it's really fascinating to see how much range he has as a performer. He can play those smaller quieter roles um he can play those bigger boisterous more boisterous roles you know he's he had so much talent and i think you know his just watching his movies you can easily see uh, just how how much more he could have offered you know had he been able to survive uh longer um you know he You know, he, he stopped acting, I think, when uh, he, let me see if I can find, he did, he continued to act, he was in a car accident in like the mid-50s, 10 years or so before he died, he continued to act after that, but, you know, it, it, it wasn't quite the same, you know, he, he still had great performances after that that accident uh but you know there was a four-year period uh in that process that you know he wasn't able to he wasn't in any movies and then he still came out the other side and and despite the you know they they listed here as like a they quote call it a disfiguring car crash and say that he became erratic and yet i mean after that he made you know, he was nominated, Oscar nominated for his role in Judgment at Nuremberg. You know, he was able to give these, still give these incredibly powerful performances. And I think it's a shame that he's no, that he, he left so soon. Uh, some of his films that I haven't seen, uh, as far as from a popularity standpoint, uh, Wild River which I've mentioned, Indiscretion of an American Wife, co-starring Jennifer Jones, The Young Lions, co-starring Marlon Brando and Dean Martin, The Search, which I mentioned, uh, Freud, The Secret Passion, Rain Tree County with Elizabeth Taylor and Eva Marie Saint, uh, and a handful of others that many seem to be, a, handful, a couple of these seem to be documentaries that involve Clift, but yeah, he's he's got a great, great filmography, and... If you're not super familiar with him, uh, I would check it out if you can. So that's Montgomery Clift. My number eight, born in October, number 120th overall. Number seven, born in Missouri, October 15th, 1879, passing away August 13th, 1967 at the age of 87, with 13 film credits that I've seen, an average film rating of 69.77, one Oscar nomination, one win, a value of 8, a score of 68.48, and a rank overall ranking of 94th. Uh, top 100, we are here. Uh, this is Jane Darwell. Jane Darwell. 
She won her Academy Award Best Supporting Actress for her performance in The Grapes of Wrath uh, as the mother of the Jode family, 1940s Grapes of Wrath. But she has appeared in many other films, uh, including Gone with the Wind, Mary Poppins, The Scarlet Empress, The Oxbow Incident, Wagon Master, My Darling Clementine, Battle of Midway, uh, All That Money Can Buy, The Bigamist, Caged, uh, and many, many others. She's got 142 film credits on Letterboxd. I've only seen 13, which is not even 10%. Uh, Some of her films that I haven't seen, Three Godfathers with John Wayne. Uh, There's Always Tomorrow, The Sun Shines Bright, Jesse James, Murders in the Zoo, The Last Hurrah, All Through the Night, Craig's Wife, Hypocrites, Bright Eyes, The Rains Came, Only Yesterday. A lot. It's it's a huge list. Uh, One that I'm sure I'll be working on for a while after this. Uh, But Darwell, you know, has this one big moment for me in Grapes of Wrath, and I, I... hear her name, I, I that's the role in, in the movie I instantly am drawn to, and you kind of forget where else she's appeared, or at least I do. You know, I look at, you know, in Mary Poppins, she was credited as the bird woman. You know, that's not, not exactly going to be something that you remember, the bird woman. Uh, she doesn't have a major part in Gone with the Wind, uh, but you know, Grapes of Wrath came out in uh, 1940. Let me see here. And so, if you're looking at you know stuff that came out shortly after that, like All That Money Can Buy, where she had one of the more prominent roles in that film. Uh, you look at, um, and the same thing with All Through the Night. You know, I think. Looking at Gone with the Wind, where she didn't have a big role, which came out in '39, Grapes of Wrath. Suddenly, she's on the map. She, everyone knows, you know her name. She won an Oscar, and now she's in a bunch of major roles. Uh, for you know, heading, moving on, moving forward from there. And that she'd been in. I mean, I'm looking at it like uh, 20, 40, 60 films by the time she's in the Grapes of Wrath, if not more. You know, it's it's a huge, huge thing. You know, her, her you know, career and and her legacy, I suppose you could say, in uh, the film industry, and she left a pretty, a pretty strong one behind. Um, I can't say that you know even the names of the movies I listed, I am not familiar with most of them. And those are, you know, in her top 20 most popular films on Letterboxd. So, seems to me like most of her performances, at least, or, or at least most of the films she's been in, are fairly under the radar by today's standards. But, you know, there's always Tomorrow. And Three Godfathers are films I've, I've definitely heard of before. And even looking down here, there's plenty of names I'm seeing. You know, Olivia de Havilland and Government Girl, a movie I've never heard of, but... I know Olivia Havilland, Gary Cooper in One Sunday Afternoon. Um, <clears throat> you know, it just, it's tough. <laughs> it's its tough, you know, when you look at these older movies and the ones that weren't, that didn't receive the, the big popular things, uh, the big, you know, the ones that aren't still recognizable today, 
and all these names that were probably household names, you know, back in the 30s, 40s, 50s, that most people couldn't even, you know, most people won't recognize. And uh, hopefully that's not Jane Darwell. But I would not be surprised if uh, she was in that category for a lot of people. So, number seven in October, number 94 overall, is Jane Darwell. Uh, We go from talking about somebody who may or may not be recognized by most people uh, who watch movies to somebody who absolutely is recognizable by almost everyone, I would say. Born in Massachusetts, October 8th, 1970. 58 film credits that I've seen, an average film rating of 59.76. Three Oscar nominations, no wins. A value of 11, a score of 68.77 to be ranked 89th overall is Mr. Matt Damon. Matt Damon out in a new movie this weekend called Ford v. Ferrari, which I will be seeing Sunday, I believe. Uh, I mean, he's he's... Ever since Goodwill Hunting, you know, he has been practically a household name, if not absolutely a household name, uh, from his roles in The Martian, The Departed, Saving Private Ryan, The Ocean series, The Bourne series, uh, you know, Downsizing, Contagion, The Talented Mr. Ripley, Dogma, Chasing Amy, Field of Dreams, The Monuments Men, The Adjustment Bureau. We Bought a Zoo, The Informant, Margaret, Invictus, The Brothers Grimm, Rounders, etc. He's been in a ton of things. He's been in a ton of movies. Like I said, I've seen 58 of them. He's got almost 90 film credits on Letterboxd, so I've seen about two-thirds of his movies. And, man, uh, this guy... I, I was never a huge fan uh, I, I'll say from the onset, you know, I, I I respect his his abilities. I think he's a good actor. I think he's proven himself time and time again in a lot of movies. He's not only able to carry a movie by himself, like something like The Martian, he or, or the Bourne series. He is both a physical and emotional performer. You can see him in the Bourne series. He absolutely can do the physical stuff. Uh, you look at him in Goodwill Hunting. He can absolutely do the more emotional stuff. You know, he's got the comedy. He's got the wit. He, he he can play so many different things. And for whatever reason, uh, I I just I think there's always something missing from Matt Damon that that kept me a little a step back from him. And I, I guess it's just you know I think when you look at the Born Identity. I think he gives a good performance in that, but because the performance, because the character is so reserved, because the character is so with, you know, within himself, it's tough to say, you know, oh man, I love the way he plays Jason Bourne or something like that. But then you look at The Departed and you look at Goodwill Hunting and The Martian and, and Saving Private Ryan and, and Ocean's Eleven and man, he's got, he can do not just the physical, but the, the humorous, he can do the dramatic, he can do action when it's not, you know, hand-to-hand combat. He can do Guy Stranded on Mars, he can do heist movie, he can do, you know, it's 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 obvious, I think, when you look at the filmography that he's had, just 
how talented Matt Damon really is. And so I, I don't really, I mean, maybe he still is, you know, maybe a notch below sort of that top tier of, of living, working actors. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, that's still a very, very high, you know, he's still above a lot of people in the industry. But I don't know. There's always been something. There's always been something. Uh, I guess, like, I don't... Maybe it's something to the effect of if I see a Matt Damon movies coming out, I'm not drawn to it. You know, when I look at Ford v. Ferrari, I'm excited to see that, but it has nothing to do with Matt Damon. Uh, it has everything to do with Christian Bale. And I think, you know, Bale is one of those performers where he in, in, in himself is is captivating in every role that he chooses. Whereas Damon, and I think this is both a strength and a weakness, I don't think he's as captivating. And I think he's able to... I guess I, the, I say that I, I say it's a weakness because you know it doesn't draw you as much to his performances but I think it's also a strength because it shows his commitment to his characters I think it shows how willing he is to play any role he's given to the absolute full extent of his abilities and you know he everything he does is not going to be you know a will hunting it's not going to be a Martian type of a role. You know, if you look at, you know, without spoiling some of the movies he has cameos in and, and smaller roles in, you know, if you look at the top row of his popular Letterboxd films, only one of them is he even close to a main character in. And that's the Martian. The other three he has very small roles in. And yet he is great. He's great in them, in those small roles. And I, I think... He's got this sort of workman-like, journeyman-like approach. Or at least it seems that way from some of the projects he chooses. Uh, you know, you think like like his his cameo in Eurotrip. He's, he's got some great cameos in some, in a lot of movies. And I think it's, it's a real testament to his skill that you see a lot of these people, a lot of actors don't go backward to cameos. Um, without, you know, a really good reason. And it just kind of feels like with how many Matt Damon has been in that he's absolutely happy to, you know, facilitate a director or a producer or whoever it is, uh, a friend, how, however, whatever you want to call it, uh, and, and help them and be the best he can be within that role. And I, I love that. I think that's great. I, I, I really do respect what he's able to do and, his career and the movies he's been in. Some of the stuff of his I haven't seen, uh, Ford v. Ferrari, like I said, but also The Rainmaker from 1997, uh, Finding Forrester from 2000, uh, All the Pretty Horses from 2000, Geronimo, an American Legend from 93. Whew, he looks so young there. Glory Days from 95. Uh... A couple of others down here. Looks like a lot of documentaries. Um, yeah, but a lot of stuff. A lot of good stuff from Matt Damon. Um, and I'm always interested in... I think he doesn't draw me to a movie, but I think when you see him 
attached to a film, it shows that, well, I guess I was going to say it shows that, you know, the film is, is eyeing, uh, you know, quality, if that makes any sense. But then you think about Suburbicon and uh, you think about, uh, oh, what was the other big miss? Like The Great Wall or Downsizing, like three movies that really rely on Matt Damon that really just don't have any any need to exist uh so maybe that's not quite as um maybe it's not quite as as perfect as it used to be but it's still matt damon and uh, he's still a very strong actor and strong performer so number six born in october number 89 overall is matt damon number five number five Born in New York, October 20th, 1958, with 20 film credits that I've seen, an average film rating of 65.9, three Oscar nominations, no wins, a value of 10.5, a score of 70.41 to be ranked 66th overall, is Viggo Mortensen. Viggo Mortensen, uh, probably most well-known for uh, for his role in The Lord of the Rings, <clears throat> as Aragorn, and yet, personally, the thing I know him most from is Hidalgo. Uh, I'm pretty sure I watched Hidalgo before. I definitely watched Hidalgo after The Lord of the Rings, now that I'm thinking. I had to have. I mean, Hidalgo came out in 04, The Lord of the Rings movies came out in 1, 2, and 3, and I watched three in theaters so obviously i've seen this first but hidalgo was always the film that i associated vigo with most and i hidalgo is a fine movie it's certainly no lord of the rings it's no uh you know captain fantastic history of violence eastern promises the road there are many many other movies uh that he's been in that are much better than hidalgo but I love Hidalgo. I think it's a lot of fun. I think it's um, it makes great use of his talents and his kind of lackadaisical attitude about everything. That said, um, his most recent Oscar nomination came last year for Green Book. I've talked about Green Book before. Um, I will say, all I'll say now is I, I think it's bad. And I think... He shouldn't have been nominated for it. Uh, you know, coming off of his nomination for Captain Fantastic, I think he gives such a better performance in that than he does in Green Book. But I don't want to, you know, travel too far down that path in this episode. <clears throat> um, Vigo, Vigo's interesting. I, I love his name. I think his name is one of the funniest things uh, about him. And he's like a funny, and not like I'm making fun of him or think it's a funny um, or anything like that. Just that I I enjoy his name. It makes me smile. Uh, it's fun to say. And yet, you know, his, his movies outside of you know Captain Fantastic, Lord of the Rings, uh, even Green Book, a lot of them are very heavy. History of Violence, The Road, Eastern Promises, Carlito's Way, Witness. Um, Crimson Tide, The Two Faces of January, 
uh, you know, he's got a lot of very, I don't know, his his roles sort of oscillate back and forth between this this sort of hard hitting gangster type of a, or, or not always gangster, but but just dr- very heavily dramatic roles, or these sort of lighter, uh, a little more humor involved. Um, type of performances like an Aragorn and like like Green Book like Captain Fantastic and it's very interesting to me to kind of see the sort of shift in his decision making as far as what roles he chooses to take um yeah I like I like Vigo I don't think he's you know one of the best I don't know I'd probably put him in the same tier as a Matt Damon as far as how good of an actor in general I think that he is uh, and I think his filmography really reflects that. I think he's gone above and beyond in some of his performances, and in others he's just, he's absolutely exactly what is necessary, but nothing more than that. Uh, some of the films of his I haven't seen, uh, probably going to pronounce this wrong, but Zsa Zsa from 2014, J-A-U-J-A, Leatherface, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, A Perfect Murder, Daylight, Appaloosa, The Prophecy, Young Guns 2, Prison, A Walk on the Moon, uh, Far From Men, The Indian Runner, Alatriste, uh, and and many others. A lot of films. Let's get down the list here. And yeah, he's I've seen 20. He's got 60 credits. That's one in three. That's pretty low, given how you know prominent and, and big of a name Viggo Mortensen is. Uh, but you know, you look down some of this list, and, and all of a sudden the films aren't super popular. They, you know, he's been in a lot of stuff, but his his kind of big breakout movies are fewer and far further between. And I don't know if if Green Book leads him to getting more roles. I'm not upset by that. Uh, or at least his, his, you know, between Captain Fantastic and Green Book, you know, two Oscar nominations in the last three years is quite, quite an achievement. And I hope that he continues to put out more good work, like Captain Fantastic. So Viggo Mortensen, my number five, born in October, number 66 overall. Here is the person whose face does not have an image on Letterboxd, number four. Born uh, in Washington, D.C., October 18th, 1879, passing November 22nd, 1974, at the age of 95. Six film credits that I've seen, an average film rating of 85.33. Nine is their value, no Oscar nominations. A score of 73 even, to be ranked 42nd overall. Top 50 is Brandon Beach. Brandon Beach. Six films that I've seen him in. Those include Casablanca, North by Northwest, Some Like It Hot, Witness for the Prosecution, Judgment at Nuremberg, and Around the World in 80 Days. Five of those, I think, are great films. Around the World in 80 Days is okay. And, I mean, it just, that's it. That's all. He's got 20 credits in Letterboxd, so there's 14 films, theoretically more, that I can see that he's in. 
uh, maybe a couple others on IMDb if I do a little digging. Uh, but Brandon Beach is not going to be someone anyone recognizes. Uh, he you know, was cr- credited as a guest at Rick's in Casablanca. Uh, let me see if I can find some other credits to him. He was man at auction in North by Northwest at Judgment at Nuremberg. He is courtroom spectator. Man, he's uh, really lighting it up. Witness for the prosecution. He was the role of juror. Well, that kind of narrows it down. Uh, in Some Like It Hot, he was party guest. That does not. And what's that leave around the world? Around the world in 80 days, he played the role of... Oh, boy, it's a lot. Um, extra. Extra. Just extra. So, uh, you know, there's not much to say here. Without his picture, I don't know what he looks like. Uh, I don't know anything about him other than the six movies he's been in. So, Brandon Beach, number four. Uh, Some of the films of his I haven't seen include The Woman in the Window, The Advise and Consent from 1962, Darby O'Gill and the Little People, The Spider Woman, Convicted, Under Western Stars, and Gentlemen Are Born. Gentlemen Are Born. So, you know, there's some movies. Uh, Woman in the Window, I'm familiar with. Darby O'Gill and the Little People is a Disney movie. Maybe it's on Disney+. Plus. Spider-Woman. The Spider-Woman. With Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce. It's a uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle film. Uh, so, there's some stuff. There's some movies of his left to see. Uh, I won't lie. Uh, I'd like it if he dropped out of the list altogether. Uh, <laughs> or at least off the top ten. But... That's what this is. It shows you people you wouldn't otherwise expect. So number four, Brandon Beach, number 42 overall. Number three is not much better, uh, but at least uh, he has a picture on Letterboxd. Born in Australia, October 11th, 1892, passing December 30th, 1980, at the age of 88. 21 film credits that I've seen, an average film rating of 66.76, no Oscar nominations, a value of 12.5, a score of 73.46 to be ranked 40th overall is Frank Baker. Frank Baker is definitely a step above Brandon Beach in terms of, you know, recognizability and uh, the roles that he got, but not much more than that. Uh, some of his films, The Graduate, The Sound of Music, Mary Poppins, My Fair Lady, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, Liberty Valance, 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 The Man Who Knew Too Much, East of Eden, Gaslight, White Christmas, The Secret Garden. A lot of movies, a lot of good movies, Judgment at Nuremberg, again, Around the World in 80 Days, again. And uh, he's not quite as unknown <laughs> as, um, as Brandon Beach, but Frank Baker bit more of a career, a bit more prominent uh, in some of his roles, and a lot more movies, and a lot of good movies on that. Some of the films of his I haven't seen, The Killers from 1946, 
Imitation of Life from 1959, Inherit the Wind from 1960, Ministry of Fear, 1944, Woman on the Run, 1950, and Drums Along the Mohawk from 1939, uh, and many, many others uh, looking down the list here. Many fi- more, more films here than in Brendan Beaches that I recognize, that I'm familiar with. Herbie Rides Again from 1974. The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes from 39. Uh, some Shirley Temple stuff. Hal Roach. Um, yeah, good stuff. Hopefully. We'll see. Uh, you know, The Killers has uh, Burt Lancaster, Ava Gardner, Edmund O'Brien. A lot of lot of movies, big movies, on top of the ones I've already seen. So Frank Baker, at 20 films already, I, I would be surprised to see him drop out anytime soon of this list. But uh, the potential is always there, you know. But he just he has a very firm hold on uh, this position, it seems. So number three, born in October, number 40th overall, Frank Baker. The last two are definitely people uh, that you will recognize, names you'll be familiar with. People in one of them is a person in a movie that's out right now. Born in Puerto Rico, October 28th, 1974. 25 film credits that I've seen, an average film rating of 65.72. Three Oscar nominations, no wins. A value of 13.5, a score of 74.35 to be ranked 32nd overall. Our number two October-born actor is Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Raphael Phoenix, born Joaquin Raphael Bottom. Uh, this is um, this is an eclectic guy. All right, I think the first time I really knew who I was watching and, and understood who he was in a movie was probably. I mean, it might be The Master that came out in 2012. Like, Signs was 2002. Gladiator was 2000. Uh, and yet, Hotel Rwanda, 04. Walk the Line, 05. Village, 04. And yet, I don't know. He, he was just, he was never a face I was familiar with until I really started getting into movies in, like, the early 2010s. And that's when you, I mean, that's when I watched a lot of those uh, and then the master came out in 2012, and oh my goodness, oh my goodness, he, he's he's you know he he's just he's a force, and opposite you know Philip Seymour Hoffman, it's it's really really impressive what he's able to do in that movie, uh, and then the next year after he he's in her another great performance uh, in Spike Jones's her. You know, he, he has a Circle of Film Award nomination for The Master. And, you know, it, it just, it, it's really, as, as eclectic and eccentric and, and strange as this guy is, and, you know, from, from his I'm Still There, or I'm Still Here, rather, <laughs> uh, pseudo-documentary type of thing, and, and, and the entire, you know, confusion around, like, his life at that point and what was really happening... He is a fantastic actor. Absolutely fantastic. And you can see him out now in Joker. And, you know, good or bad, 
as a movie, he is exceptional in Joker. He is absolutely incredible and currently one of my uh, top performers, top one of my leading performer nominees uh, for his role in Joker. Uh, so ever since, let me see, I guess I would say ever since her, I think, I've just been I'm I'm into it. I, I'm I'm down for whatever he's in. I'm down for whatever role he chooses to play. He's been in some not so great movies, but some great ones. And uh even the not so great ones, he's usually quite good in them. Uh so some of the films of his I haven't seen. We Own the Night, U Turn, The Yards, Reservation Road, Buffalo Soldiers. Inventing the Abbots, Space Camp, Clay Pigeons, uh, Return to Paradise, and uh, a couple of others, but not too many others. You know, it's it's a small list. Um, you know, he's got a lot of documentaries. He is a very outspoken um, uh, you know, against I don't know if he is a vegetarian, I assume he's a vegetarian, but he is very much uh, a supporter of, you know, changing the way things work in the world from a animal standpoint. And so a couple, he's got a couple of, uh, he's he's the narrator on a few of those documentaries like Earthlings, Dominion, Unity, uh, and and so on. And uh, I that's great. I love that. Um, I've only seen one of those. I've seen Dominion. I think it's absolutely impossible uh, very very difficult to watch but it is a eye-opening documentary and the one that ultimately turned me away from eating meat so credit to that where where i can uh joaquin phoenix i'll watch him in anything now and i have uh to a degree so uh, he's number two born in october number one or not number Number two, born in October, and number 32 overall. Which brings us to our number one. Uh, this is, so I talked about the people who were on the list last time. Um, we had Joaquin Phoenix moved from fifth to second uh, after watching eight more films from him. You've got Damon, who dropped from second to sixth after... 10 more films watched for him and you've got Mortensen who dropped from first overall to fifth after watching three films that he was in and so this is number one the only other person who was on the list prior moving up seven spots with three additional films so born in Kansas October 10th or October 4th 1894 Wow, I butchered that entirely. Born in Kansas, October 4th, 1895. Passing away February 1st, 1966 at the age of 70. 11 film credits that I've seen. An average film rating of 75. No Oscar nominations, no wins. A value of 11 and a score of 74.46 to be ranked 30th overall. Uh, So we didn't even get into the top 25 uh, at the top of the October Born list. Is Buster... Keaton. 
Buster Keaton. Um, one of the pioneers of the silent era, alongside Charlie Chaplin. And, oh my goodness, I can never remember the third guy's name. Uh, Harold Lloyd. There it is, I got there. Uh, Buster Keaton is a physical comedy genius. Uh, his actual like acting prowess are it's not great uh, you know he's fine um he doesn't really have to do a lot in in these old fi sh short films old silent films that he you know worked on himself it's mostly just physical comedy that he's doing but he's still i mean it's it's still brilliant you know the lack of you know dramatic and emotional performances in things like John Wick, for example, do not make that movie any less compelling and any less exciting. Don't make Keanu Reeves' physical performance any less powerful. And I think Keaton is absolutely, uh, you know, one of the pioneers in that sort of thing. There are a lot of his movies I still haven't seen. You know, he's made over 150, or he's got over 150 credits, so I've seen less than 10% of his movies. And that's a shame. I really hope I can get to more of them sooner rather than later. There are a bunch on the Criterion channel to stream, so I will be looking into that. The ones I have seen, uh, The General, Sherlock Jr., Steamboat Bill Jr., uh, One Week, which I think was the first one I saw, One Week, The Navigator, uh, and many others, and a couple of others, uh, The Electric House. Uh, and then you've got a couple of films where they're not about him, uh, they're not his movie necessarily, <coughs> but he does make an appearance. Um, like uh, where is his name on this list? I don't see it. Uh, there it is. Uh, it's a mad, 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 mad world. Sunset Boulevard. Limelight, Chaplin's Limelight. You know, it's it's exciting to see him in these in these other movies, and you know he did that a lot more than Harold Lloyd did, uh, and about the same. Uh, you know, Chaplin's non-silent performances are primarily in movies he made, and I'm I'm glad Buster Keaton was able to kind of venture out into movies that other people made. Uh, you know. And uh, it gives him a little, it gives him a leg up sometimes. Sometimes, some of the films of his I haven't seen are *The Cameraman*, *Our Hospitality*, Seven Chances*, *Cops*, *The Goat*, *College*, *The Haunted House*, *The High Sign*, *Neighbors*, *Scarecrow*, *Go West*, and on and on and on. There's so many. Um, you know, it's it's impossible to. Yeah, you know, I'm not gonna list all of them. But there's a large number of films of his that I have not seen. Um, yeah. He's just, he's a very talented performer. I personally would rank, I put him number two. I put Chaplin first and Harold Lloyd uh, a third on that list. But, you know, he is absolutely worthy of this position on the list. He is a great actor and one of the pioneers in in the in the industry and it's 
it's incredibly fortuitous. It's incredibly wonderful that we have so many films of his to, to be able to see and uh, that he continued to make films as long as he did. So... I love it. I love it a lot. I love him. He's great. Uh, my favorite film of his is uh, ignoring the films that he kind of shows up in other uh, greatest film of his that he's like the main character in main actor in and, and stars in is Sherlock Jr. I thought he was great in that. I think the film is great. Uh, I've you know it, it could be I don't know. You know, you can kind of just pick pick and choose what it, you know, The Navigator is also fantastic. The General is very very good. Steamboat Bill Jr is good. But for me it's currently uh Sherlock Jr is where I land at the moment. So, he is number 1, Buster Keaton. I'll run back the top 10 one more time here. Rachel House, Jack Angel, Montgomery Clift, Jane Darwell, Matt Damon, Viggo Mortensen, Brandon Beach, Frank Baker, Joaquin Phoenix, and Buster Keaton. Uh, so some of the people who were on the list before that did not make it. Michael Gambone is currently 12th. Melora Walters is 13th. Rudy Bond is 18th. Um, let me see here. Do this a little better. Um, got a long way to go to get to Brie Larson, who is now 40th. Quite a drop. Quite a drop. And Sigourney Weaver is the other one. Um, where did she fall? She's even further down the list, it looks like. She dropped to 60th. Whew. Uh, yeah, that's quite a drop. Jeremy Davies is the other one. Um, there he is. Jeremy Davies, not quite as far a drop. He is now 30th. So, big changes in October in the last two years. Uh, that is it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. It does mean a lot. If you'd like to find more episodes, you can head over to iTunes, Stitcher, places where podcasts can be found, or circleoffilm.com where you can find all the old episodes and much more. If you'd like to get in touch with me, write in, share things, tell me about the movies you like, tell me where I made a mistake or whatever. Uh, cir- uh, circleoffilm at gmail.com. Find me on Twitter, at circleoffilm, uh, or letterboxed, circleoffilm.com. No, just letterboxed. My username is Circle of Film. You can support the show, like it, rate it, review it, subscribe to it, tell somebody about it, or just listen. Uh, if you'd like to do even more than that, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash circle of film, where you will gain early access to all episodes that come out early, and uh, there's some other fun stuff in there as well. Thank you for listening, and as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same goodnight. I know she'll never even as she fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be to Saint Adieu. Nothing's really left or lost without a trace. Nothing's gone forever, only out of place. So long, farewell, oh, what I'll be to say. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.